This podcast is brought to you by the Fireteam Whiskey Fitness app. Everything you need to get fit and lose weight right at the touch of your fingertips on your phone. You can play hundreds of workout videos on our app. You have fully customizable fitness and nutrition plans. Work out anywhere, anytime on your schedule and no gym equipment required. Sync your Apple Watch, your Fitbit, and your MyFitnessPal to the Fireteam Whiskey app and track everything in one place. You can text one of the Fireteam Whiskey military fitness trainers at any time to get tips, tricks, helpful hints, and just some motivation for your workout nutrition routine. Go to FireteamWhiskey.com and sign up for the Fireteam Whiskey app now. The ideas, procedures, and suggestions contained within this podcast are not intended as a substitute for consulting with a medical professional. All matters regarding your health and fitness require medical consultation and supervision. Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast, a podcast for military members, veterans, and first responders focusing on fitness, health, nutrition, and biohacking. Our mission with this podcast is to introduce America's heroes to lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier, happier lives, and in turn, be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country. Well, thank you, Ashley Garbolja Maldonado, for uh, joining me on the Warrior Wellness Podcast. And you're a fellow podcaster, so you know the deal. Um, So we're going to get down and dirty. I just want to introduce you as a, of course, a military veteran, and we'll get more into that here in a second, founder and CEO of Guide On, the military community, and uh, she's also a uh, a Legion podcast, the American Legion podcast uh, co-host, and she is also the VHA communications specialist. So amongst a million other things, um, the reason why I have her on um, specifically is because she is an amazing women veteran advocate. So um, yeah, so I stalk Ashley on LinkedIn because she um, posts amazing things every single day. She's keeping women veterans issues on mind um, in in the forefront on um, social media platforms. And I learn something um, all the time from her posts. So we're going to get into some of those uh, women veterans issues as well here pretty pretty soon. But Ashley, I just wanted you to talk um, first uh, about your background in the military. Yeah, sure, sure. So thank you for having me on, Stephanie. It's a pleasure. Uh, My journey in the military, uh, gosh, let's see. I just got out in 2019, November, after an eight-year career with the Ohio Army National Guard. Um, I was military police sergeant, uh, you know, it's pretty high speed. They fast-tracked me, you know, three years. I'm I'm a sergeant. Next thing I know, I'm going to hit my six-year mark. I'm an inline staff sergeant, and I'm doing all of these amazing missions and educating and training soldiers um, from not just my company, but across the battalion and many capacities just from my, you know, dual, um, if you will, employment while I was working in higher education made me very much so an asset to other folks trying to understand their benefits um, in addition to all the things that I was doing as a military police sergeant. So my career started about 2011, 2012-ish timeframe. I joined the service to alleviate some financial uh, burden off my family due to a recession. I had younger brothers. I wanted to make sure that I myself could, you know, provide for myself and not have to worry about 
who was going to pay for my education or how I was going to get the next leg up. Uh, you know, I believe that educational or education is, you know, there is no expiration date and you just continue to learn, but you know, societal standards say you need a, you need a degree. Right. So I had to really scratch my head and think about what was going to be in my best interest. So the national guard was an easy fit. I did a lot of research. Um, I needed to stay local and close to home for my family and yeah, the next thing I knew, I'm, I'm raising my right hand. I find myself, you know, trying to, you know, pursue ROTC. It, it doesn't work out. I have a falling out, you know, with the program. I unfortunately become, you know, a statistic of military sexual trauma. I'm kind of pushed into uh, military police as like a last resort. There are only a few options at the state for anyone who knows how the National Guard works. Um, you know, there could be you know, there could be 12 openings, there could be two openings, it just depends on the need of the state. So I kind of found my, you know, my footing, if you will, in, in military police, it was between I believe that engineer and an asphalt layer. So naturally, naturally, I went for an MP. Um, so with that being said, you know, I had a really great career, I took play or took part in some, you know, Homeland Security response missions, um, quick reactionary force, uh, you know, worked on, you know, cruiser weapon systems to, you know, basic MP tasks to anything under the sun. I've always told people military police, MP stands for multi-purpose. <laughs> and uh, we, you know, from, from landscaping to janitorial to admin to logistics, to running a range to, um, you know, riot control to cruiser reference. Like I said, there's just so many things that I was able to do and make a outstanding impact in both my community and on my soldiers during my time in service. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you for your service. And of course, my fellow army woman as well. So cool. <laughs> cool. Um, so now moving forward, I mean, you're done with your military career. Um, you know, most of us just kind of, you know, do the adult thing, we go get jobs and we, you know, get married if whether or not you have kids or not and you kind of move on with your life, right? So, um, you know, most veterans, I would say, you know, don't really get involved with advocacy or, you know, with, with veteran community, but, and especially women, um, how did you stumble into getting into women, being a, a women veterans advocate? And I, I'm saying this not as a joke, but it, it really is very rare. It's, I mean, even the fact that um, I have, I have two hats, I have two women army veteran hats. And I never see, almost never, other than the women in my women army veteran group, <laughs> I never see women wearing you know, kind of military, their military pride and their military paraphernalia and their, you know, military veteran gear. And you see, yet you see every man wears theirs, you know, see men, men, men always wearing their, their military hats. So um, it's just a rare thing for a, uh, you know, a woman coming out of the service to kind of get involved in uh, the veteran community. So how did you end up doing that? Great question. So the way I would describe this is accidental advocacy. I kind of fell into it. It was one of those, due to my early on experiences being told, you know, hey, it's your fault, or this happened because of this, or X, Y, and Z, sometimes being one of the only women at the training, you know, meetings, or uh, I, found, I found my voice very quickly. 
because I've realized that, you know, I could speak as loud as possible, say my opinion. If they don't listen, that's their own fault. But if I don't say anything, that's on me. And as I kind of dabbled in this, like, you know, I'm, I'm young, right? I'm, I'm like 19, 20, I'm a 20 year old sergeant trying to figure it out, trying to figure me out. And I find that like, I'm really taking a niche to taking care of, you know, my fellow sisters in arms while I'm in the service and really being their advocate because there aren't usually many women NCOs. I mean, it kind of grew as my career progressed. I saw more women in NCO positions uh, or non-commissioned officer sergeant positions as I got a little bit more time in. So like my sixth, seventh year mark, they were more frequent, but early on they were scarce. I had maybe like one uh, woman who was a staff sergeant in my, you know, my company that was had an had a military police, you know, MOS who had been deployed to having like onesie twosies that were sergeants. And that was it. Um, so when I became a sergeant, I told myself, like, I need to be the person that I needed. Right. So that's how it kind of started in the service. But what I tell folks too is while you're in the National Guard, it's a unique situation where you are in like this constant state of transition. So you have like mm-hmm. one foot in, you're going on the weekends, you're doing your, your two weeks, you know, and again, like that's expanded and changed so much dramatically over the years that it's no longer just two days on the weekend and, you know, two weeks in the summer, mm-hmm. it doesn't work like that anymore. Especially as you go up in leadership, it's just you're on call all the time. So with that being said, I digress. I am, you know, part-time soldier. I am finding my way in the world, going to school, figuring out what I want to do with myself. And I stumble into a military service center, a community college, you know, just asking, just wanted to ask a question. And next thing I know, I walked out of there and they had offered me a part-time job because I knew so much about benefits and resources. So I started working at a community college in Cleveland where I was working with dependents, with spouses, with transitioning veterans from all service branches, whether they got out after 20 years, you know, eight years, four years, uh, service connect disability, I saw it all. So they would all come to me for advice and I'd have to help them, you know, with career paths um, to, you know, coursework to really self exploration. And I found myself like advocating, doing more doing all these projects and being connected in the Northeast Ohio community to the local VA, to our vet centers, to our county uh, service offices for veterans, to the federal building downtown for veterans, to the state program, you name it. Next thing I know, I'm like in this huge network of nonprofits in the area that are trying to help. So I just become really well connected. And I'm making, again, these connections. I'm kind of reeling them in. I'm drawing some focus. I'm helping people. So that was kind of my first step. So the next thing I know, you know, I'm in the service, one foot in, one, one foot, you know, in uniform, one foot in the community college space. And then I find myself kind of being leaped or kind of leaped into the university space where then I became a VA work study. So then I was finding, again, all of these resources, all of these things. And it was always my women who I just had such a hard time finding. Or when I did find them, they were like, oh, my God, you're a unicorn. Like, (laughs) whoa, help me. And there was just so much relatability there. So we worked really hard at the university level to create like a Legion post, a Student Veterans of America chapter, really this community where everyone could be represented. 
uh, especially addressing like women veteran issues and like how we can help those folks be more visible on campus and really embracing their service after, you know, they take the uniform off because I think, you know, the more physical obvious indicators for, for a man are like his haircut or, um, you know, he might be wearing like nine line apparel or something where he's got veteran or he's got, you know, some shirt, like one of the tan t-shirts and they do all the fun logos and stuff or do the uniform <laughs> stuff, you know, like you'll see those folks. But for, I think a lot of women who like get out of uniform and, you know, they've just changed obviously like the, the hair, uh, makeup and like some other policies. Right. So like now women can look a bit more like, you know, their ideal of, of idea of feminine in uniform, mm-hmm. or that really didn't exist a whole lot. So what I found at least conversations that I had with women while I was in the college space transition is that like, they were like, oh no, like you see my nails, they're beautiful. <laughs> like, or I'm like redoing my hair, I'm trying a new style or like I'm wearing makeup or like I'm dressing feminine or like I'm wearing things that wouldn't necessarily like cue me in as like, oh, I'm veteran, right? Uh, so- but you know, let me interject real quick here and hit, this is one my, one of my biggest pet peeves and the, like the thing that pisses me off almost the most about this whole women's veterans issue thing. It doesn't matter if you wear the gear, if you're a woman. Yeah. You will still be asked 99 times out of 100, oh, did your husband serve in the army? Is that why you're wearing that hat? It happens to me. I want to be very violent. (laughs) I wear the gear. It says woman veteran, and you're still asking me if my husband. I could wear my American Legion hat, and they'd still (laughs) be like, oh, are you in the auxiliary? I'm like, no, I'm not. So it's like, even if we're screaming it out loud, people don't see it it's right. just that filter the social filter we that exactly. just exists in this world just that was not, prevents yeah, people that's from what i saw on college campuses so like what was interesting is like when i would have conversations with like higher ups you know these decision makers those are the kind of things they're like oh well you know like we just we don't know and i was like well you don't have to like wear something specific to be a veteran i think there's just so you have to have the natural assumption until otherwise told by that individual that they are not a veteran and they were like whoa mind blown right (laughs) Right. and so this again this accidental advocacy comes from all of these different things I'm involved with in this time and space while I'm in the service Um, you know I had found out that the the women's military memorial uh, I was a recipient of the U.S. Army Women's Legacy Scholarship Uh, there were just all these things like I was getting involved with and finding that there were only a few very centric women veteran nonprofits out there. Even, you know, the Center for Women Veterans at the VA too, like, you know, they weren't getting enough attention either. And it was just so fascinating too, because like, I just want to help folks understand our narratives. And I want to encourage women to be loud and be proud. You know, I found too that, you know, some some women get out and they, they're just like, you know what, I maybe I had a rough time in the service or, you know, some stuff happened. I've got some trauma there. I don't want to, I don't want to relive it. I don't want to be a part of that. You know what I mean? So everyone has like their reasons, mm-hmm. but I think sharing our stories is incredibly important, both being authentic and vulnerable in that way and telling people like you're veteran, right? I know too many times veterans day, you know, my husband, again, physical indicator, he's got this high and tight haircut, you know, he's, you know, he looks very macho cheese mode. It's kind of ridiculous, but 
know, people extend his hand and it's to the point where now my husband's like, yeah, we might want to take my wife. She served longer and she actually recruited me. So yeah, you might want to shake her hand. <laughs> and, you know, and I usually interject and go, oh, thank you. Yes. We both had such a pleasure serving, right? Like I find that some of the women that I have worked with, they're like, oh, I never thought of really do I go, no, like tell you, tell them, like you correct them very, you know, tactfully like, yeah, thank you. No, we enjoyed serving so much or, right you know, finding a way to like weave it into the next sentence, right? Like, oh yeah, you know, when I was at, you know, when I was military police and my husband was infantry, yeah. You know, we had some some good times, bad times, you know, but we're, we're, here we are, right? Thank you, yeah. thank you for recognizing us. So and it's I, all about I think how we that race. comes down to, you know, women um, are taught, of course, that, you know, there's the societal pressure and, and the way that we're raised as, as girls is to be non-confrontational and, you know, to not speak up and, you know, oh, okay, well, you know, it's not a big deal, right? To kind of sweep it under the rug. And um, it's, it's sad because it's almost like the, we were taught the exact opposite as military members, right? I mean, we were, told to be loud. We were told to be strong. We were told to, you know, be authoritative, especially as you go up in rank. Right. So, you know, it, but that, that overriding societal expectation of our, of our gender, um, you know, keeps us from being an advocate for ourselves as women and for each other as women veterans. So, you know, women who are listening to this podcast right now, you know, just encourage you. And I know Ashley would say the same thing as to, yeah, I mean, speak up, you know, that's the first step in being an advocate for yourself and other women veterans is you have to say something, you know, it is a big deal because every time it is ignored, you're, it's just being added to, you know, that, that societal stigma that we have of, you know, not being recognized and not being acknowledged. And yes, it is a big deal when I'm in a line at Starbucks and the man in front of me on Veterans Day is asked by the barista, oh, are you a veteran? You get free coffee today. And then when it came to me, she just asked me what I wanted. Mm. And I have to interject, you know, it, is it a big deal? No, it's a freaking cup of coffee, right? But it is a big deal, you know, for me to say, hey, how come you didn't ask me if I'm a veteran? Guess what? I am, you know? Yes, it's confrontation. It's uncomfortable, but we have to be uncomfortable to make sure that, you know, that, that we kind of shake off this, this societal stigma that's been placed upon us. It's not our fault, but we've got to fight, unfortunately, for it. So let's talk about women and veterans issues other than not getting your free damn cup of coffee on Veterans Day. (laughs) (laughs) So I recently saw someone post under one of your posts and it infuriated me and you're you're much more nice than I am. Um, (laughs) Veterans are veterans, you know, veterans are veterans. We all should Mm -hmm. just be acknowledged equally, right? I know what post you're referring to. Yeah. We shouldn't get a special month or a special day for women's veterans. We're all veterans. Yeah. So let's just talk about that one issue right now. What do you think about that? So the post you're referring to for listeners out there is uh, June 12th is Women Veterans Day. It is not necessarily a, a national observance, but it is something that states have made proclamations for to take an opportunity to thank and celebrate women 
who are both trailblazers, who are, you know, living their second, you know, second service in our communities, who may have otherwise served and never got that recognition. It is not to replace Veterans Day. It is merely a day to commemorate the signing of a 1948 Integration Act, if you will, that allowed women to serve in the capacity they do today. So, you know, this act, it's, it's only a few decades old. Like folks don't, folks think, oh yeah, women, we've been, it's like, no, like progress is like, if you really looked at the timeline here, you gotta take a step back and put it in perspective, right? So like, I always have to take a deep breath. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> but I do, you know, I, I get those kind of responses and it's like, I don't necessarily always engage and maybe I'll like, I'll, I'll message them on the back end because I also, I know that like, when folks usually respond like that, it's kind of like this like defense, like defensive post. I typically like to like see where they're coming from to, to gain a perspective because yeah. typically what happens is like, they do know a woman veteran and, you know, they served with a woman, you know, or, you know, their mom or, or, or sister or somebody. Right. And they don't really necessarily have the, the base connection or the root of like why this act was so important and why this day is set aside to really recognize the contributions, right? So like March is Women History Month. So we do women's military history. You know, we have the 12th where we really take an opportunity where states can hold panels and have these conversations and allow women to share their stories that otherwise may be, you know, kind of overlooked on Veterans Day. You know, yes, as a veteran, I, I'll go out with my male peers uh, you know, my fellow sisters in arms and we'll, we'll go get, you know, brunch or we'll do whatever. And we can do that on Veterans Day and we all recognize it. We can correct the, you know, the waiter, waitress, the hostess, the hostess or whoever. But on the 12th, it is about the women who have come before us and also inspiring the women who will be next to lead. So when I see responses like that, I try to educate and I try to kind of understand their perspective because if I just like I, like, I know like sometimes I have some folks who kind of will go like, they'll go right at it. They'll go right at it. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Like everyone's got a different approach. But, you know, when folks like that, they're usually, they're coming from a place where like, they acknowledge our, our presence, but they also don't understand the history or the significance behind that day. And they just kind of make exactly. negative statements like that. Right. So it's important to educate and, you know, connect them to resources or like, hey, if you're really interested in this and I appreciate you like being an advocate, like veterans are veterans, you're right. Like we all are veterans, but here's why this day is important. Exactly. And that's those kind of conversations you have to like have and choose which ones you want to engage and not engage with. Cause it's like, right. there are some folks, there, there are some men and women who you're never going to change their minds. Right. And you can only control how you react. And it's about education because, you know, so this is why we have to have, you know, a, Asian Awareness Month and Black History Month and, you know, Women's History Month. It's not because we're trying to cram culture down people's throats. <laughs> it's because there is just kind of a general unawareness and, and lack of education about these specific groups, right? And they, they are, all have a specific niche within our American culture and contributions and should be recognized because unfortunately, you know, our, in general, our society and our history and, and what we learn in school growing up and about, you know, all of these issues is mainly about what the white men did, you know, so we need yes. to kind of correct for, you know, a lack of 
education, you know, in, in our, our, you know, modern day educational system. I know it's getting better now, but certainly when I was growing up, I didn't learn about any of this stuff, you know? So it is about, and I learned so much joining my, my women, women's army corps group. Gosh, I've learned more about women's women in the military and the history in the military and the contributions that women have made just by being a part of that group. And, you know, I'm a woman veteran, you know, and I didn't even have this stuff. So everybody, you know, that's why this kind of having a special month isn't about excluding a group of people. It's about just kind of correcting for the lack of information, the lack of education, the lack of awareness. And then maybe if we did have a Women's Veterans Month, you know, maybe less often in the future, the future veterans of, you know, wearing their hats and they won't get asked that damn question about, oh, did your husband serve as frequently? You know, that's just what we're hoping for. But um, let's talk about other women's veterans issues. I mean, it, there's probably a laundry list that you can come up with of what we could kind of take off. But, um, you know, one of them definitely is um, access to benefits, access to care. Um, access to, you know, are the benefits that we've earned as veterans. So I would say when it comes to, to benefits and accessibility, um, I, I really do believe that, that the VA is really making incredible strides in these areas. Um, is it always as fast as we'd like? No. I will say that, you know, kind of having, you know, my foot in the door and working with the VA, there are a lot of opportunities out there um, for research to to uh, your service offices and again it depends on regionally where you are but for accessibility purposes there are resources and I would encourage folks to check out um, va.gov's uh, women uh, women's health look at all the services that are provided to you and you know enroll have these conversations with your physicians um, one of the things that I've also encouraged folks, and, I, and again, like I know there's folks out there who are like, well, I've got this claim and like I'm waiting and waiting. I, I've got a claim out there too and I'm waiting and waiting, right? So one of the things that I've always encouraged folks is to work with an American Legion or VFW or other folks like specifically for claims. That way that they can help you go through all of the important documentation, make sure that you have the resources that you need um, because they're going to understand, you know, the, the law and the way that everything is broken down from disability claim. Cause there's a lot that I didn't even know. And I had worked there. Right. So I've always encouraged folks to check out, um, these liaisons that are here to help you, um, as a proud legionnaire, you know, I, I went to the legion and they were able to help immensely. Um, they were, I mean, they were doing paperwork and things that I, I had no knowledge or concept of. And they were like, oh, well, here's this case and this case to verify that, yes, you do have the, the service connect and here's the case that also supports why this should be increased. You gotta think about the pure size of the VA and like how quickly it takes, you know, folks to get resources, equipment to, you know, personnel to, you know, changing facilities, right? To like having, um, a clinic where you can walk in and, you know, have your privacy, right, as a woman veteran, instead of having to go through the front gate or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, those things don't happen overnight. And I, I tell folks, you know, be patient, but be persistent. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and that's, that's another common complaint is, 
you know, mainly males are going to the, the, the VA and, um, you know, they refer you to, you know, maybe support groups and they're all male and, you know, there's just kind of a, a general kind of, you know, male dominated, you know, focus on you know, treatment and, and people just even being in the facility. So, you know, what I know that there's been some pilot programs with, you know, kind of creating smaller centers for women's. Um, there was one in Jacksonville right near where my fire, fire team whiskey office was. So um, I know in the bigger cities, they're, they're trying to, you know, make efforts to uh, provide more women-centric um, services. You know, it's, it's tough. It is a tough thing to do. And I think, like I said, patience and persistence. Squeaky wheel gets the oil. The right folks that are in the right positions now that are hard charging these issues. So from like maternity care to, um, like I said, military, military sexual trauma, you know, applying for VA healthcare, you know, why? Yeah. And yeah, we had kind of talked previously leading up to this interview um, that we definitely wanted to cover um, women veterans uh, wellness issues. Um, so can you speak a little bit about that, about um, women veteran and, and our, their struggles with wellness? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at it from a whole health perspective, I mean, you're, how do I put this? So like when you go to the doctor and say something happens, right? Like you're treating all the symptoms, you're, you're treating what could be the overall diagnosis. I think sometimes when we step back and we take a look at the whole person concept, right? Like emotional, mental health, your physical health. Sometimes when we go to the doctor, they're just kind of looking at the physical components. Like, oh, you have chest pain. Oh, you have a broken leg, right? Um, you know, mental health has in, in many cases been incredibly advocated, well advocated for there are nonprofits out there, the veteran service organizations or military service organizations. You've got like Wounded Warrior Project, you've got Legion, you've got uh, the VA and its overall concept with, you know, like, you know, June is, you know, PTSD Awareness Month or PTS. You've got mental health uh, resources. Uh, I know the VA, we've even got like apps too, which is pretty cool. Uh, like PTSD coach, uh, wellness coach apps, which is neat because it's nice to have a reminder to like take care of yourself, right? So in addition, you got like this spiritual, like a lot of people kind of neglect that piece, right? The, the emotional piece, like how am I feeling and why am I feeling this way? And that, you know, wraps into your mental health. And then, again, this whole health concept is so important. So, you know, when we're looking at, you know, primary care, we're looking at, you know, specialty care. So, for example, like reproductive care to rehabilitation, homebound or long-term care to military sexual trauma to mental health evaluation and assistance on issues and then you know just general care for your health evaluation or counseling or disease prevention right you've got nutritional counseling weight control smoke cessation and you know substance abuse counseling and treatment for gender specific primary care you know specific cancer for women right cervical cancer making sure you're getting your pap smear to breast cancer screens mammograms birth control you know um, preconception counseling menopause support right and hormone replacement therapy stuff of that nature like there are all of those services and those things that are out there but from a wellness standpoint i think and i could overgeneralize here but i think as as women and maybe some of the gender societal expectations that have been placed is that we're always kind of taking care of other people 
Like I, I felt mm -hmm. kind of that way sometimes in the service too. Like I was always taking care of my soldiers, right? Like I was the last one to eat, I'm the last one to sleep. I'm always doing something for the betterment of others. And I myself have had my own trial and tribulation with burnout and suicidal ideation and anxiety and depression. Like these things are all real. And when we talk about them, um, you know, more folks can realize that like, wow, other people feel like this too. So like, mm -hmm. when you look at the whole person concept, like now we can start piecing together like a web or a puzzle or, you know, connect the dots, whatever you want to say. You know, I'm a very visual person. But for me, when I found, you know, that I hit my rock bottom, my rock bottom ended up turning into a trampoline because I had the support of, say, you know, for example, the American Legion or the VA, uh, my spouse, uh, my family, right? So then you've got all of these accessory or extended supports, making sure that you have those. So when we talk about wellness, it is a whole person concept. And I know the VA has their own version of, of whole health concept, and they've been expanding that. I know that, for example, the American Legion, like they're doing 100 miles for hope right now, which is, you know, getting folks active, especially like pre-COVID. And then, you know, my work even with Guidon, you know, it's like, how do we educate folks? How do we communicate effectively that it's okay to be vulnerable? It's okay to not be okay, you know? Folks will ask you if you're okay, but they don't ask you if you're happy. Right. And again, that goes back to the societal expectation for women, you know, as, you know, how are you? I'm good. You know, everything has to be good. We have to just put a smile on our face and, and trudge through uh, because nobody likes a woman that complains, right? Or, or is negative or, you know, says that things are wrong, right? So again, it's about speaking out. It's about speaking up. Um, not only are you going to be helping yourself, but you're making it okay for other women to speak up and for them to say, no, I'm not okay. You know, I have PTS. I went through military sexual trauma. Quite frankly, you know, my experience in the military was a, a pile of dog shit and it damaged me tremendously. Um, and it's scary for me to ask for help from the very system that harmed me, right? So that's, that's the other issue here, a huge barrier in the way for veterans is why would I go back? Like I'm a kicked dog here, right? You know, I'm extremely damaged. Um, and now I've got to be reminded of that damage and that experience or that trauma every time I reach out and go to the VA or go to get help or go get some sort of, you know, military assistance for these damages. And, you know, it's just, I think from my experience and you know, working with veterans and mental health, you know, it's, it is that kick dog syndrome. It's like, I just don't even want to do it. I don't even want to get help because I'm just so traumatized by the military. I'm just associating getting help from them again with, you know, how, how harmed I am. And it's just not even worth it at this point. So, um, but there are so many wonderful resources out there and um, support systems. And I mean, I'm on a bunch of military, you know, women veterans um, support groups on, on Facebook, you know, get, I guess the bottom line is, you know, get plugged into a community, somewhere where you feel supported, 
um, if it's just women or maybe a Facebook group or your local American Legion or the Women Army Corps groups, you know, just something, even if, you know, you are feeling like you don't want to reach out because it was the thing that harmed you, um, you know, you may be surprised at, you know, A, you're not alone. <laughs> you're definitely not alone. And, you know, B, you know, this, this might be a helpful way to kind of transition into your healing path. Um, and, you know, the, the mil your fellow military veterans, military providers, the VA could be a part of that. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's one step at a time. It's, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to do everything in, in one lump sum. I tell people all the time, like, it, it took me, it, it took a lot for me to, to just go to, you know, an MSD coordinator to have to like dig out some of that paperwork to relook at that. Like it definitely opened some wounds, but it, it, you know, being able to sit down with somebody who understood to then have some, you know, ancillary kind of support, if you will, that meant the world to me and continued to help me and having some of those conversations. And I will say too, you know, being really vulnerable is, is tough, it can be very tricky. It's like, you know, we don't want people to judge, but we also like, it hurts inside, right? So what I have found is that the more that I've shared it, you know, whether it's just a few phrases or words or just saying that, you know, I've had, you know, anxiety, depression. I still suffer from anxiety, depression. I, I work through it every day. It didn't happen overnight. Like 2020 was my year, my worst year. Like it felt like everything had just wasn't the year I needed or, you know, wasn't the year I wanted, but it was the year I needed kind of thing. Um, you know, it's just, you never know, like, what when you put out in the world like with your story you don't know if that's going to end up turning into a page for someone else's survival guide you you just you never know and i think that's been part of my motivation is you know, even throughout my career through education you know even now it's like i still get folks who tell me no you can't do things and you know i always rephrase and say you know i can i will watch me because you know i was told I felt like in the military, like I was invincible and like I was built up to be strong and, you know, aggressive and all of these, all of these things, right? Leadership 101. And it's weird how everything's kind of transpired over the, the last few years, but I've really found my voice in the women veteran space, advocating for, for women, um, sharing content that resonates and educates. Are you fire team ready? Try the Fireteam Whiskey Spec Ops Keto Joe Shake. The Keto Joe Shake is a medium-chain triglyceride MCT shake derived from non-GMO coconut oil. It contains 17 grams of MCT, 10 grams of high-quality whey protein, and no sugar. It's sweetened with stevia leaf, so you can keep those carbs low and shred that body fat. 25 milligrams of caffeine to give you extra energy for the gym or your busy day. Fireteam Whiskey has been supplying military members deployed all over the world with Spec Ops shakes for over three years. Fireteam Whiskey Spec Ops shakes are fueling the fight. Whether you are just trying to lose a few pounds or trying to get that extra edge in the gym, the Fireteam Whiskey Spec Ops shakes are for you. Make sure to stock up now and support our efforts to raise funds for Team RWB, our nonprofit partner that provides social support and fitness events for our nation's heroes.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love how you said that, you know, it's, you, you never know when you speak out and when you speak up, uh, whether it be about your own experiences or, you know, in, in, you know, advocacy for other women veterans or just in general for women veterans, you never know how that, that could be taken as inspiration for someone else who's watching. And um, there's a perfect example of this, actually. I uh, had, had long gotten out. Um, I was working in a huge military mental health contract. I was traveling all over the, the nation. Uh, we provided mental health services to the National Guard. And I was in uh, visiting an uh, on-site visit a unit and you know talking with these um, you know uniformed military people and, and working in medical and one of the lieutenants we I met her and we shook hands and we kind of looked at it and she really looked at her looked at me and cocked her head and said Lincoln Lincoln right I said yeah and yes ma'am and she said oh my god you were one of the tech officers at when I went through OCS and I said oh okay well Gosh, I've seen you know hundreds of soldiers. I can't, I wouldn't be able to remember her specifically, but she said, "I have to tell you something." I've, it's crazy that I just ran into you. She said, "You know, I was one of the girls who you um, defended, and I basically filed. I filed a complaint. It went up. It it was a big blow up. I I definitely." you know, got some lashback for that um, because one, a, a couple of the TAC officers had this group of four or five girls, women in uniform, do a skit. And in this skit, they were wearing, they had tied up their t-shirts, were showing their bellies and had their hair and pigtails and were doing sexual provocative things in this skit. And I walked in on this and flipped out. And it was a major, it was somebody who outranked me by, by two ranks. And I filed a complaint and I basically was, was told that I was blowing it out of proportion. It was pretty, it was stupid. I shouldn't even have said anything. You know, it was harmless, blah, 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 blah. You know, all the things that you get. So, but me being me, I got to open my big mouth, <laughs> you know, and get the trouble, but I've got to say something, you know, if I see it, I say it. I, I so she was one of those candidates. And she said, yeah, at the time I thought it was stupid, you know, like, why would, why would it be a big complaint? She said, now, I just want to thank you. I know how much shit you got for saying something and how you basically got punished for it. But thank you for doing that because it wasn't appropriate. I was a victim. This was absolutely, completely sexualizing me as a soldier. It was completely inappropriate. It was all, now looking back, it was a traumatic experience. And I wanna thank you for standing up for us and, and all the, the flashback that you got. And she said, I, I've taken that memory and, and gone forward with that in, in considering you know, the, the female soldiers under my watch. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I had to, you know, stand up for, I had, you know, several soldiers who, you know, were postpartum, you know, they were 
you know, they're breastfeeding. I, I couldn't tell you how many times, you know, I'd have to advocate. I'm like, you know, like you gotta let this individual breastfeed. Like they have to pump. Like they have to do this. Like this is bi- like like biological, right? I'm just like, you have a wife. Like what? When you have children, like how are how are you this disconnected? Like just because she's a lower rank doesn't mean like, you know what I mean? It makes her any less human. And like this is like it just it would blow my mind, right? So mm-hmm. there were times I have to advocate for you know those types of situations. I remember there was a specific incident where there was just alcohol run rampant and. I was that I was that person who said something and yeah I got a lot of slack for it but you know what no one got in their vehicles intoxicated right um, definitely went up to a high level they ended up doing an entire like, like resurvey a lot of people the hammers were brought down on some of the behavior and things that were allowed to just go unchecked mm-hmm. and, you know I know what it's like to be in that position um, it's it's tough but you know what it has to be done and I couldn't tell you how many times I've, I've been in a lot of those situations. <laughs> I'm sure as any woman veteran could say, I, I can recall many, many, many. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's about standing up and it's about speaking up and, and, you know, having the bravery. And even if you, if it's, you're going to get some negative, you know, feedback or, you know, even punishment for it. Um, it is about, that's the struggle is we have to look out for the future generation, like that Lieutenant, the future leaders of women, you know, in the military to, you know, to stand up in that moment and, and lead the way and, and, and lead that path for them to have a better time of things in the future. And, you know, and it's not, you know, most of the time it's not malicious. You know, I was my, the last unit I was in was all male. I was the only female. And, you know, so, but my nickname was the voice of reason and it wasn't a, you know, it was kind of a backhanded compliment, but they were grateful for, and they, my commander told me this, grateful for my influence because, you know, a a group of guys has group think and they, they have a group think of a very different kind. And sometimes the voice of reason needs to come in, even if it's a female voice and you say, Hey, you know what? You might want to think about this. You know, and it's just, (laughs) and sometimes they're grateful for it. They're like, yeah, you know what? You know, having them do a skit and put belly shirt on is probably not a good idea. So, (laughs) so let's talk about your work with the the American Legion podcast. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So love the Legion. Um, I know that, you know, there are folks out there listening to like Legion, like the American Legion, like the the post that maybe down the down the road where my grandfather goes, where my grandma goes, right? Not this Legion. Like the Legion is growing. It's very progressive. You know, there's posts all over the country, and I had a rare opportunity while I was young to really see a lot of Legion in my community, and just be naturally involved with things and so it became very synonymous that when I joined the service that I would become a legion member so I think like the second year I was officially in I had actually joined a legion post so many were just like what like you've been a legion member for you know eight eight years nine years now or whatever and like yeah wow it's really been that long it's the entire length of my career so having the legion as a support network um They've just been so good to me. I found myself 
being asked in college, you know, I'm, I'm running these higher ed programs. So like, hey, we want to start American Legion Post on campus to be able to, you know, step into a leadership role, you know, join and unite, you know, uh, American Legion posts from all over, you know, the county to raising dollars for scholarships, um, giving opportunities that otherwise may have not been there for our veterans at the, at the college and the university. It was a great thing. And the next thing I know, I'm applying for an internship in Washington, DC. And at this point in my like Legion career, I had been covered enough because I'm like this, again, unicorn. I'm, you know, 20, 21, I've got a commander's hat on and I'm leading the hard charge and how to connect with college age veterans and transition and how we can use this as a catalyst to, you know, bring folks in and create family, you know, centric programming. They loved it. They were like, oh my gosh, this is everything we need. Uh, so I applied for this internship, American Legion in less than like 24 hours called the, the internship place and were like, we want her, like we, we want her. Like, and I couldn't believe it. They had never seen anything quite like it. Um, and I ended up interning with the education and employment division. So I worked on like federal tuition assistance and national garden reserve issues and communications and how as a legion, some of our resolutions of communication, for example, leading into the um, 100th year like celebration. So having an opportunity to look and review all those, you know, prepare briefings for the, you know, commanders, you know, you know inaugural, I wouldn't say inaugural, but uh, they each, it's a pretty big deal for the commanders. They get to go and address Congress on veteran issues. And, like To be a part of stuff like that is very cool. So naturally, like the American Legion podcast, well, American Legion reaches out to me and they go, hey, Ash, you know, we've been wanting to do this podcast and uh, we couldn't think of anybody better. Like, you've got lots of stuff to say. You don't have a problem saying stuff. We think you'd be incredibly inspirational. Um, we definitely have a woman's voice on this podcast. And I go, oh, that's so cool. Okay. All right. Let's do it. So, uh, you know, Jeff Daly uh, and uh, Mark C.D. are my co-hosts. Uh, you know, our episodes drop at like 9.30 uh, every Tuesday. We do a combination of uh, interviews and also military topics. So, you know, we'll go to military.com. We'll find all of these kind of fun and fluffy stories to keep you connected during your transition. And then bringing in folks who have, you know, different opinions to unique stories to uh here's the nonprofit I run or founded, right? There's just so many opportunities to bring folks together, listen, and we're all really lighthearted and fun. Just having, you know, the, the two other guys, like I always, I, I am the voice of reason in, in that situation. <laughs> I am usually the one where they make fun of me. They're like, you're a nerd. Why are you <laughs> I'm like, because this is who I am. I said, I'm going to ask these questions. I'm going to read a few more sentences. I'm going to read it verbatim because I want people to know the facts. And they're like, you're so extra. <laughs> I, know. I know but uh the podcast is great you know we're on season two we're still hard charging um you know we're recording more episodes we're more content out there you know each each of our uh so we're on youtube we're on spotify uh stitcher apple or apple itunes all the above so you know i always encourage folks to, to check us out subscribe you know rate us leave us a comment for some reason, like all of the comments right now are like my microphone switching out. Like we've got some really devoted people that love my tech. And I'm like, I just give compliments to my husband because he's all up in that and he loves it. So it is what it is. But yeah, the podcast is great. We're, we're really excited. I 
we were at first like when they asked it was going right into uh it was like february 2019 and this is before like the whole world went into like lockdown and i just remember like i won't lie like some of those podcast shows that we would do like that was like my extension to you know yeah it was probably perfect timing for for you guys to kind of be out there you know as a voice and what i was really um what I was really impressed with, I, A, I didn't even know American Legion had a podcast, so now I've got to get caught up on your episodes, but um, I was very impressed that, of course, that, you know, that they have a female voice um, on on the panel there, and, you know, it's, when you think about the American Legion, you think about old white men talking about their time in Nam, you know, and it's kind of like not very inclusive, um, I know that's changing um, and they're doing a good job and, um, and, you know, being much more progressive and being more inclusive. So I am excited to get caught up on the episodes and, and listen to um, all the future episodes and hopefully maybe even apply to beyond so we can discuss uh, some, especially the, the, the crisis that is the military veterans uh, health and fitness um, issues that I'm passionate about. But um, Speaking of health and fitness, talk about 100 Miles for Hope. So 100 Miles for Hope is, this is our second go around. So we did this last year in efforts to get folks kind of moving. Everyone was just, you know, either binge watching some TV. A lot of our posts who rely on, you know, seeing each other in person, um, you know, they just didn't have this connection. So the 100 miles for hope expanded to 2021 and basically you register through um it's called kilter app um so you register and you you join like pretty much creating an activity log and so you download the app you go to the events tab you um you select 100 miles for hope you complete the profile you connect your devices so say you have you know um i don't know there's so many different fitness watches out there so finding the right device, connecting that device, and then kind of participating in, um, you know, the different wellness activities. So for example, like at least an hour and a half and you accumulate points and you can complete up to three wellness activities each day and they count towards your total. So for example, um, there are more than 40 different activities to choose from, right? So for some of us who have bad knees, like myself from the service, I'm not out there running hardcore every day. I'm on my bike you know, biking 24 miles like a crazy woman without any suntan lotion. I just did that recently. I'm not super proud. I learned some things about myself. Um, but, you know, it, you know, again, if like that activity isn't represented in the app, you can create a, a manual activity. So it counts and you can receive bonus points, which is pretty cool. So what happens is, so you're doing all these activities and you're accumulating these points and you not only can you know get your commemorative 100 mile uh, for hope merchandise or t-shirt hat etc right but anything that you purchase and the funds raised through your point accumulation goes towards the veterans and children's foundation so uh for example those individual donations um will go towards i'm trying to think because we just renamed and we like grouped the charities together but just think about all of the veteran programming that American Legion does and a lot of people don't realize like we do a lot so from Americanism to baseball to scholarships to boy state girl state um you there's just so many things and I encourage folks who don't know a whole lot about the American Legion to go to the American Legion's website 
can check out all the programs, check out the media. You can get all the podcast information there. Um, and you can sign up for 100 Miles for Hope. And um, you can, you know, continue to, you know, fundraise for initiatives that, you know, you care about. So yeah. that's a little bit about it. It's pretty cool. I'll have to double check. Um, you can also share your journey. We've been sharing and uh, engaging with the community through social media. We've got some freelance folks. Uh, photographers and um, writers who are kind of collectively gathering um, these group or groups, if you will. Yeah, great. And so that's a fantastic incentive. I mean, not only are you, you know, moving your body more, which is fantastic, you're earning points, you're getting prizes, and you're also raising money for charity. So that military and family affiliated charities so that's amazing so and it is open to anyone so it's not just for american legion family members so for example like if you're part of a veterans organization so like team red white and blues to veterans of america the mission continues team rubicon and others um to youth and family programs so it's like uh, girls club boys and girls clubs um Social Olympics, YMCA, uh, oh, wow. sports team, and then right. nonprofit specializing in health. So American Red Cross, American Heart Association, and I think the last one is Alzheimer's Association. Okay. Um, so we've got like sample press releases, promotional posters, there's instructions on how to, you know, use the Kilter app, and we've got a tutorial video. I know I needed a little help at first because I was like, <laughs> so many apps, like, what are right. you doing? But yeah, you can buy some cool gear. We've got FAQs. Um, but you know, all that's going back to, uh, it's going back to charities and giving right back to the community. So it's a great initiative and I encourage folks to check it out. Yeah, we'll include that definitely um, on the show notes. I've already got that all set up to go. So, um, and I will include all the links to the American Legion um, and to all the other things that you do and your LinkedIn page that I stalk you on. So <laughs> is there anything else that you want to uh, put out there a mention before we uh, close out? You know, um, you know, in, in the sake of, of women veteran advocacy, I just encourage, um, you know, allyship. We've got a lot of brothers in arms out there and, you know, you know, we need your help. We need your help, right? We're going to continue to raise awareness on women veterans issues. We also have to have our counterparts, counterparts on board. We can't do it by ourselves. And to have, you know, our allies who honestly, like I probably wouldn't be, would not have been the soldier or the, you know, the sergeant I was without some of my male peers. And I think when we can get through to having all of those folks as self-aware as to some of our issues, like that's when we're really going to hit the nail on the head and we're going to make a big wave and big movement. And for all my women vets out there, continue to be loud and proud and challenge people with the I can, I will watch me mantra because you're all incredible. You're continuing to do something in capacity and second service. I can almost guarantee it and that your story is important. And also to check out the Military Women's Memorial they are doing some really great programming. They have an there's opportunities for you to record and share your story for you know generations to come and legacy. And the more awareness uh, and women that we have registered, will continue like continue to bolster and power that um, that voice that you know that combined voice, if you will, um, as a as a unique uh, group. So that's thank you so much, Ashley, for being on the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. 
please take the time to subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on or if you watch the videos on our YouTube channel. Please go ahead and leave us a review or share one of our episodes with somebody you think would be interested in the topic. We want to reach more veterans, military spouses, and military members with our health, wellness, and biohacking podcast. So please do your part and let other people know about our podcast. You can follow us on any podcast platform. Just go ahead and search for The Warrior Wellness Podcast.